Uh, we're going to be in our yeah, main passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And what um, we see here is the disconnect that can occur when we want to do something or realize ourselves as someone and we don't do it. And this is called quenching. So quenching is I light a match or any fire and the sprinklers haven't gone yet. Oh, and it went out. So something quenched it out of my... So anyway, we'll try that again. So quenching is that. You know, we just put it in water. And for fire, which is combustion, you need fuel, you need oxygen, and you need heat. If you take any one of those three away, the fire goes out. Uh, And we're told, and only here in this passage, Paul says, do not quench the Spirit. And in every case in the Scripture where this word is used, and it's only six times in the New Testament is this word quench used, it is always in reference to a fire. A fire going out. Uh, So, people have goals uh, concerning who they want to be. They want to be successful. They want to be, you know, better shape. Uh, They have goals on what they want to do. They want to start a business. They want to build a house. They want to fix the house. Whatever. And, And we have these grand ideas, but we find out that it's hard work. Uh, like overcoming an addiction is hard work and the fire is quenched. Right, so we have the fire where, you know, this is the day we're going to do it and it's very easy to light a match, very easy and hard to keep it going. Like in all the survival shows that we love, the fire must be maintained all night and that's why survivalists don't get a lot of sleep uh, because... <laughs> part of the problem of survival. You've got to keep stoking the fire all night. We just turn the thermostat. So, and it, it shows us something about the spirit here in this word that's used. And it's only used here. Uh, this quenching, which is definitely referring to some fire, is showing us that the within us there's a fire. Now, if we take that literal... In other words, the Holy Spirit is a fire, and if we put him out and pour water on him, you know, that's it. He either leaves us or we have no more power. It's not like that. It's not, he's not a literal fire. The imagery is given to us so that we'll understand something about life. And that thing about life is that these barriers that seem so insurmountable to us and for us, we're not trying to start a business. Hey, Raj, could I have a little bit more volume? Thanks. <clears throat> yeah, uh, that, there you go. I like to hear that come back at me. So anyway, I like my own voice. No, I hate it, actually. Um, <clears throat> but we're not trying to start a business. We're not trying to build a house. We're not trying to lose weight. All those things are fine. What we're trying to do is become just like Jesus Christ. Talk about a project. And what are the barriers to this? And I'm telling you now today, there are none. There are none. 
I know it's hard. It's hard for me as it is for you. But that's our own lack of desire, sometimes knowledge. Uh, and, and really, it's, it's, and when I say knowledge, we're deceived into thinking that, you know, true happiness is not really in Christ. I mean, I know I'm supposed to say that, but, you know, there's, there's other things that I'm after as well. And, and, and God, right, you see it in his word, he does not compromise that's the reason why he calls himself a jealous God is because there can be no compromise. We want to be like Christ and we want to do what Christ did. That is the highest achievement in the universe. How do we achieve such a height? But the more realistic question is, since being like Christ is a process, it's a journey, right? You're not going to be just like Christ tomorrow. Since it's a journey, the real question then becomes, and it's a journey that requires a lifetime, how do we become, how do we know for certain that, there are, that the barriers are gone? That, the, that I have the new and living way, which is the open road, the open road that follow, you know, Christ already blazed that road and we're following. How do I know that there's nothing there stopping me? Because, look, we all know this. We tell ourselves we can't do it. Whether we say it verbally, even slightly unconsciously, and you won't do it. Right? It's got to be something that's real, tangible, and reachable. And that is the image of Christ himself. We're all predestined to have it. Every believer will. And God has made us early. He took us out of the oven early. Right? He made us new creatures before heaven. And the new creature that God made is, and you are, the very purpose and dream that God had for humanity all along. All along. What we are right now is exactly what humanity was always made to be in the mind of God. That is a scary thought. Because, and it makes you accountable for something as well. But it shouldn't be, and this is what God is breaking these barriers down for us, is that it shouldn't be something that is burdensome. You know, what I just described, you being the new humanity that God has always wanted all humanity to be, and you are that now, that that should be the most exciting thing that I could have ever entertained in my heart. Rather than being, a, oh man, you know, what was it like before we understood anything about God's goodness? That being good was a burden. That it was something that I had to do, like paying taxes. And once I'm finished paying, I hope I have a little leftover for myself. In other words, I'll do good, God, but I hope I have time left over, time and energy left over to do what I really want to do. And God is, would say to us, probably with a slight smile, you idiot. You just don't get it yet. So how do we know that the barriers are all down? 
And then more so, because you're not going to head off on the journey unless you love the destination. Right? Because the journey's hard. There's obstacles. God has made it this way on purpose. As Paul said, we've got to reach ahead for that, which is the upward call. Reaching ahead means that it's not an easy grasp. God is not prying your hand open and putting this life. You know, you have the life, but he's not putting the behavior, the conduct, the, the joy, the thankfulness, the awesome prayer life. He's not prying your hand open and putting it in there. He's not forcing it on you. Right? Christ said, pick up your cross and follow me. That means I've got to choose it. So he puts it there and he says, reach. And as I'm going to reach, I say, but Lord, there's all these things in the way. I mean, I kind of see what you want me to reach for, but there's my flesh and there's these worldly things that I like and there's these people that annoy me. <laughs> I don't really want to love them because to reach and grab this, I have to love them. And I have to say no to this flesh and no to this world. And they're all like little obstacles, like on a chessboard or something, and they're all in my way. And God says, reach. And if those obstacles aren't there, in other words, if God took the thing and brought it all the way to you and just put it nicely in your hand and said, don't reach, then we just, like a kid, right? We just take it and then say, which was, our, I think, our message uh, earlier this week. What else do you have for me, God? Here's eternal life. Yeah, that's great. What else you got? Here's the indwelling of me in your body. Yeah, I don't really feel it, though. What else do you got? What else do you got? But God has done it differently. God has made it in this life that you and I have to reach. And there's going to be stuff in your head and stuff all around you that's going to say don't. It's going to trick you, try to trick you, try to deceive you. There's going to be stuff that's just plain all in the way. And you've got to climb over it. And God's showing us how to want something. Something valuable. And, when I, and I, thought, I thought about this the other day and I was like, well, you know, God is... By nature, righteous, right? So doesn't he, he always chooses righteousness because he has to. He's not reaching, is he? And then, it's stupid me, right? And then I, uh, the thought, thank you, Lord, the thought popped right into my head. God became a man, and the man came to the earth to do one thing. What did he come to do? Your will, oh God. Was that a choice? If he, if he wasn't tempted in all things, then it wasn't a choice. But it was a choice. In the Garden of Gethsemane, what does he say? If it be your will, take this cup from me. But your will, Father. It's a choice. And by being a choice, God is training us to be like him. And there, now you understand, and I understand much more, why all the obstacles are in the way. That's why they're there. And that's why, as James wrote in the opening of his letter, rejoice in your trials. Peter said the same thing. Uh, don't be surprised that the fiery ordeal has come upon you for your 
testing. He said, exalt, rejoice in these. Why? Just like James said. They're bringing quality to your faith, strength to your faith, so that you will, as your faith gets stronger, no matter what's in the way, you're going to reach for God's will. Just because it is His will. That's pure freedom on planet Earth. So today we're going to see where absolute confidence lies. And, it, and when it thrives within you, you'll make gains in your spiritual life that you could have never dreamed. Where is this confidence? It's right inside you. It's the Holy Spirit. In 1 Thessalonians, which we're nearing the end of the letter, uh, it's a letter of encouragement for a young group of believers who are doing wonderfully in the spiritual life, and Paul is encouraging them in this letter. He's not only encouraging them to keep doing what they're doing, but as he says twice in the letter, to excel even more. And this shows us, we'll see here in our passage, that part of the ministry of the God the Holy Spirit, which we must do as this new creature, is we must keep learning, keep growing, keep at it. You know, we're, we, we never mature to a place where we're all done. Right? So as we used to say, we never arrive. So as he wraps up his letter, Paul repeats what he's already stated. Look at uh, in the letter. Again, verse 16. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's will. What is God's will? I, I remind you, as I've stated several times in this study, that the always is written by Paul before he writes the command to rejoice. It's always rejoice. Then he writes, without ceasing, pray. So in the Greek, that's how he writes it, because he's emphasizing the always. He's emphasizing the without ceasing. He's emphasizing the in everything. And that's why he puts it first. Uh, In the Greek language, it doesn't matter. You can switch this order around. In English, it sounds clunky. Always, Well, always rejoice is all right, but when we say without ceasing, pray. That's like how Yoda speaks in, in Star Wars, right? He always puts the subject at the end. That's why he sounds weird, not to mention he's not real. So there's that. Paul is emphasized. Why? Because everybody's happy every once in a while. Everybody prays every once in a while. Everybody. I, I was even We were watching a show yesterday. It's complete. This guy is an admitted atheist, and when anything goes wrong in his life in this show, he says, I'm praying for this. Oh, God, this. I'm praying for this. And I, you know, he's on TV. And I'm like, I, I just want to run up to him and say, dude, who are you praying to? Everybody is thankful every once in a while. This life, the life of the new creature in Christ, is always thankful for everything. Say, God, that's impossible. Well, you, just, as soon as you, if that is your heart, it's impossible, you're never going to do it. Never. That's why Paul is going to say in the next line, which is a negative command, do not quench the Spirit. Again, quench. What does it mean? I've got a whole box of these. 300 matches that I can light today without putting the sprinklers on, I hope. 
What does it mean? So this is the spirit within. That's the analogy. And I, th- this, you know, is needed to make things work. What I mean is energy. What? I can put them out. Amazingly, I have to be commanded not to put them out. That's, you realize that's almighty God that I'm putting out. Now, can I put out God? Not, not really. So, uh, Paul, does, Paul is, is confident that he doesn't have to explain that to us. So, don't quench the spirit. This continues, though, and this is a part of it. Do not despise prophetic utterances. Really, it's just prophecy in, in plural. So, it says don't uh, despise is really, that's a little strong. The Greek word means to disregard. So you could translate that, I think, better. Do not disregard prophecies. But examine everything carefully. In other words, it could be a false prophecy. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So we'll, we'll, and this is repeated from before, but we'll leave that until another class, the hold fast to that which is good. It's related here, though. But you see here that do not quench the spirit is sandwiched between the three commands, rejoice, pray, and give thanks, and then don't despise prophecies. Now, real quick, in the early church, there was a gift of prophecy because they didn't have Bibles yet. So if we were all here, we're all in the first century, say it's, I don't know, 60 A.D., we're all gathering together, we don't have hardly any letters And people in the audience would have the gift of prophecy. God would speak to them directly, and they would speak the truth of doctrine of Scripture. Now, anybody could say anything. That's why he says examine it carefully. So you examine it in light of what you already know about God, in light of the Old Testament that you know. And but, so we say, how does this apply to us today? Because in my view, and I think, probably all of yours, that this gift of prophecy ended when the Bible was finished. Uh, God does not give more prophecy. Well, for you and me, it has perfect application. For instance, you may, maybe when I said, all right, today we're going to speak on, or I'm going to teach on, do not grieve, uh, not grieve, we're getting to that, do not quench the spirit. You might say in your heart, oh, I already know all about that. Or you might say in your heart, everything I know about quenching the Spirit is absolutely dead-on accurate. And you know what you did right there? Ironically, you quenched the Spirit. Because if, if, say in the early church, someone gives prophecy and you're like, ah, sit down and shut up. We're sick of hearing from you. The Spirit just spoke through that man, or it could be a woman. The women had it too. 1 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 11. And what you've done is the Spirit had a message, and you said to the Spirit, no thanks. You put the fire out. So for us, we're constantly learning. Right? It's the beauty of doctrine, one of the very, one of the many, is that we're always learning. The same passage, the same doctrine. It's new, and it's newer, and it's newer again. It's wonderful. If, as a part of this, right? Because so to not quench the spirit, let's talk about just that in particular. If I'm going to be a lifelong learner and not quench the spirit, what do I have to be but humble? 
I can't be a know-it-all. When people who have knowledge in a particular subject, say you get three theologians together. Ooh, that's, I wouldn't even want to be a part of that. Say they're from different viewpoints. You got your Calvinist, you got your Arminianist, and you got some, I don't know, Reformed guy in between or something. And how's that conversation going to go? We all say, right? Not well. And why is that? Couldn't they learn from one another? Most definitely. But why, do, why can't they relate to one another? It's because each one of them are there to prove that they're right and that everybody else is wrong. And so you have entered into the relationship, not with humility, but with pride. I'm right, and, I'm, and maybe you are. But even if you are, you've done it wrong. Yeah, you're, you're ne- whose mind has been changed from false thinking to right thinking by being bullied by someone who's a know-it-all? Not a one ever. Right? It's gentleness and humility that wins the day. And, and therefore, pride is something that quenches the spirit, amongst many things. So here's our, here's our little sentence. Now that I've finished two years of Greek, I can impress you, right? That's what it's for. No, I, I think it's just kind of cool to see it, that that's what Paul wrote or had his eminemon. I can't remember the name. It's the, it's the word for a scribe that they use. It's not aminousis. It's am something or other, anemone or something. I don't know. But uh, so what you have here is that first uh, ta numa, that's the spirit. This word here in the middle, I can get a pen. This word is not or do not. That's the word no. And here's your word for quench, uh, which is penute. And it's a command, and it means to put out a fire. All right? So, the Spirit, do not. And this command to you, and it's present tense. So, present tense means never. Right, never. It's present imperative always means that is a continuous command. It's active as well. I'm the one who puts them out. Not you, not my enemy, not the circumstance, not the situation. Me, I put them out. So if I have God the Holy Spirit within me, who's the engine, the fire, the engine... How can I not do this? And that's the point Paul's making. Do you have the Spirit within you? You do. If you're a believer, you do. From the moment of salvation, you do. What part of this can't you do? So all the barriers are down. The barriers to salvation, the barriers to heaven, the barrier to being just like Christ. There are no more. Uh, one passage where this is used in Matthew 12:20, a smoldering wick he will not put out. Same word. And it always means putting out a fire. Uh, one of the Old Testament usages of this word in the Septuagint, the Greek Old Testament, is in Song of Solomon. Solomon writes, many waters cannot quench love. Many waters cannot quench love. 
Now, Solomon is talking about romantic relationship in that book, but it certainly has uh, an, an analogous truth to us in that, again, if I'm going to do this and not quench the spirit, then I've got to love where I'm going. Where am I going? What am I striving so hard for? And it's Christ himself. That's where I'm going. Is him. Think like him. Love like him. Speak like him. You know the impact that you will have on people if you're like him? And there's a lot of benefit to self. Like perpetual happiness? Oh, it's really good for the soul. Talk about chicken soup. I hate that theory. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) Present active imperative. Uh, In a manner that uh, means living in a manner that fails. I want to, I already explained that. Let's go to the next one. Quenching the spirit is living in a manner that fails to allow the spirit to do what he pleases. So there's, and I'm not going to go too much into it this morning of all the the various uh, theories. There's a lot, of course. And, of course, there's a lot of theories because Paul says, don't quench the spirit, and he moves on to other stuff. And just like when he says, be filled with the spirit, he moves on to other stuff. He says, don't grieve the spirit, and he moves on to other stuff. And we're all like, Paul, how about a little, you know, explanation? There is none. What we must be careful of is adding our own. Don't do that. If you add your own explanation to anything in the Scripture, I guarantee you there's some part of it that's wrong because it's from a finite human mind. This is living in a manner that fails to allow the Spirit to do what He wants to do, which is pleases Him. Don't forget, He's God. And I know that you don't, but it's easy to kind of think, well, this is the third person of the Trinity. You know, He's not as important or something. His will is God's will because He's God. So, there's two uh, ways you can approach this. And, and I, at first, you know, the natural thing is to look at all the things that quench the Spirit and then say, don't do those. And that's, that's a message that needs to be done. But I wanted to be a little more positive. And, and therefore, what we're going to talk about in just a few minutes this morning is, what does the Spirit really want to do? And if I know that, and how awesome it is, then I won't want to put that fire out. And I'm going to be tempted to, but I'm going to know, and I'm going to be educated by the Scripture that I know exactly how to keep that fire burning. And therefore, and he's and when he does that, is he going to force me to be good? Is he going to force me to say the right thing? Is he going to force me to be loving you? No, no. And my flesh is going to tempt me all the time to not love you and be bitter or make, have an attitude to you or whatever. Think the worst about you. And while those are propping up in my heart and they're tempted, I'm going to say, no. I want the Spirit within me to give me the ability to love while I choose to love. First and foremost... We gather from the Scripture that the Holy Spirit is with us forever. John fourteen sixteen. I will ask the Father and He will give you another Helper that He may be with you forever. 
multiple times in this upper room discourse that Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit within us. Um, and and interesting, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul said, Rejoice, pray, be thankful. And in the upper room, Jesus uses all three of those. There's multiple passages that use all three of those together. In Thessalonians, in Timothy, uh, there's a couple other places too. They're right there. And it's, I haven't developed it yet, but it's the first time I've seen these three. They're kind of coupled together a lot. Being happy, being thankful, and praying. And they're together. it's not like one causes the other. It just has them all together like that's the kind of people we are. And it's like a holy trinity of attitude. So, the Holy Spirit's with us forever. And therefore, what? Now, forever is a key thing here. Because we often think, well, we need the Holy Spirit within to do and get over all these obstacles on earth, right? And all the temptations. He's helped. Oh, we need to learn. We're like, we're dummy, dummy sheeples. So we need the Holy Spirit to learn. And But if he's with us forever, isn't he in us in heaven? Has to be. So what do we need him for then? And I, I look at this not as so much what do we need him for, but that God made for himself a new humanity in which he put himself. And that was always the design. It wasn't like this in the Garden of Eden. They, did, they weren't indwelt by God, nor were they in the Old Testament. But the new covenant didn't come into fruition until the cross was complete. But once the new covenant came, which it has come for us, we'll see that when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, new covenant in my blood, that God made the new humanity. And he took us out of the oven early. We're not in heaven yet. But doesn't it say we're seated in, with Christ in heavenly places? Ephesians 2.6. Paul states that like we're already there. We've been raised with him. Seated with him in heavenly places. And so, yeah, like we're citizens of heaven. Philippians 3.20 and on and on. We're part of the kingdom Colossians 1.13, transferred from the kingdom of darkness, or the yeah, kingdom of darkness into the, uh, the kingdom of his beloved son, domain of darkness. Transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. And we're not there yet. But we are this. The new creation in the old world. And what we do is Open prison doors. Why? Well, because you're the new creation and you get it. You love. You're truthful. You have self-control. You, let's get fruit of the Spirit. You have joy. You have peace. You have patience. You have joy. You have love. You have kindness. You have goodness. You have self-control. You're faithful. And not just, hey, I saw Joe the other day and he was faithful. <laughs> right? You know, like, this is who we are. We're not going to, we see in this doctrine that it's, Paul does not, there's no context here of, of this, 300 matches. No, there's no context of, all right, spirits on, spirits off. Spirits on, spirits off. Spirits on, spirits off. 
it's now that we would say that's true. You know, like when I sin, the spirit's not on. But what Paul is talking about here is not an individual sin that you may have committed, but a pattern of life that you are dedicated to. That's it. That's what he's after. He's not speaking to the Thessalonians about any particular sin. He's saying just keep going and excel more. So, as we're the light to the world, we're freeing others from a dark world. That's your witness. Got to be one of the greatest benefits to it. I met a pastor a while, not too long ago, who works with addiction, and he uh, he says he can't stop. Not that he would stop, but he says he keeps seeing miracles all the time. Like he meets he meets people whose eyes are dim physically from whatever they're on or addicted to. And as God frees them, he works, he works with addicts on a completely biblical basis. And he says their eyes get clearer. He's like, it's one of the things that I can't, I will never tire of. That their actual physical eyes get brighter and clearer as they get off. And... They're not just off the stuff and then, you know, being like a dry drunk where they just still want something. They're absolutely free. And it was part of the reason I did that, that little uh, video on addiction. I was so inspired by this. That, um, that God doesn't say, you know, like the secular world says, if you're an ick, <laughs> an addict, uh, alcoholic, drug addict, you know, you're an ick. Uh, food addict, whatever you are, that uh, that you're that forever. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says God cures, and he cures you. And then you can say, what? It's not a burden that I'm carrying around and I'm bearing it. No, that burden's on my Lord, and I'm free. Now, if that's true, there's a million things that could be true about you in which you have the Holy Spirit empowering this life that you've come to understand and love, which is Christ. Your witness to the world is going to be incredible. We've got to do it. Our world is suffering. I mean, it always has been, but America is suffering. And it really is up to us. And, not, and it's not just those out in the world either. It's just the people that uh, we love that are around us all the time. You know, the impact you can have on your husband and your wife and your children and your neighbors and people or your friends who are around you all the time because you are like Christ. And always for, in a positive way. So he made us new. Here's another thing. He gave us to each other. We're all family. We're never meant to be isolated. And he gave us the gift, he gave us as a gift to the world, telling us in that upper room, I don't know why I'm looking at who it was up there, that um, if we loved one another, the world would know that we were his disciples. John 13. He made his new creation before heaven in a world where we're tempted and persecuted and experienced many trials. And we long for heaven, absolutely. <clears throat> but, Everything is planned by God, is it not? Everything's under his control. 
Your life, the life of everyone around you, is under his control. In the world, uh, sorry, uh, these trials are used to increase the frequency and quality of our faith and to mature us. That's why they're here. He's in control of all of them. So we say, why, God? Why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this to happen? I'm growing you up. I'm teaching you how to choose for me, even when it's hard. I'm teaching you how. And everybody around you doesn't choose for me. You do. When you're persecuted, you choose for me. I'm training you to grab hold of righteousness. Now, you know, why why would God does God need this glory? Does you know he's he's saying, Hey Satan, look at so and so, they're choosing for me. Like he cares if Satan really what, God Satan's gonna worship God or something? He's not gonna. He's training us to see himself so clearly that we'll choose him, no matter what. So the new creation is the light of the world. Go to Colossians 3. Yeah, just a couple more passages and then we'll do it. Look at Colossians 3.12. Now, because we're like Christ, when we think of it, you know, we read the Gospels and read about his life. How does it seem, his impact on the world? Like we often see, we often think about this or hear somebody say it or write about it. If somebody met Jesus Christ in Palestine, would they be just like, eh, you know, like, <clears throat> if you met him, let's say you talked to him, or you saw what he did. Now, we can't, we don't get to do miracles, it's true, but, but, in a way that, in a way you do, uh, you know, because you're a miracle. But, um, you know, if you saw him, you'd be impacted by him. If we're just like him, shouldn't we be astounding to the world too? And Jesus said this very thing. In the Sermon on the Mount, he said, if you greet those who greet you, if you love those who love you, how are you extraordinary? In other words, how are you like me? Because in the Sermon on the Mount, he's saying, I'm training you to be my disciple, to be just like me. Hear these words of mine and do them. Our lives are to be astounding. This doesn't mean run out and say, hey, look at me. Many years ago, I heard a passage. It's a passage. I heard a pastor give a message that said, "If people don't know you're a Christian, you're a bad Christian." And I was a brand new Christian at the time, so I was really, I was somewhat shy, not like I am now. And I, I was like, "Well, the very next day, Monday at work, I was telling, hey, what, what do you think of Christ? Hey, Christ, Christ this, Christ that.'" And people are like, "What the hell's wrong with you?" What are you going to have for lunch? Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. I believe that. And they're like, dude, calm down. Just go to lunch. I, I did. It was a rough day. But it, 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 I, I did it. I did it. It, it was a stressful day. Um, but then I realized later that, you know, 
It'll come. You just live the life. And then you lose that shyness about it because you start to love other people. Right? Everybody in this earth is going to be judged by Jesus Christ, believer and unbeliever. Everybody. Us unto eternal life and our rewards for the unbeliever unto the lake of fire. You know, I, I love them too much not to, to warn them. And hence, you know, this is what Christ would have done. And this, can you imagine it? All of us. And you're also very different, as am I. Does it matter your genetics? No. Does it matter your environment that you grew up in? What if you had like an abusive parents, abusive parents in an abusive household? What if you made it into adulthood with the most frayed nerves of anybody ever because of the stress of your house? What if you're a dwarf? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I laughed. In the book I'm reading, the main... <laughs> In the book I'm reading, the main spiritual guy is, is a dwarf. And, and people look down on him because he's small. And he's, he's a giant spiritually. So what if you're a tiny person? I'm sorry. What if you're a giant? No. I, I can't get out of this hole, so I'll just, I'll just sit in it. What if, you're, what if you're a stinking midget? All right. There we go. It's out. It's out. What if you're, you know, you weren't born with good looks? The whole world, you know, the, all the merit system of the world you have gone through and dealt with and they've thrown the mud at you. <clears throat> and here you are. You have an identity from the world, from your parents, from your environment, from your genetics. You have an affirmation from the same. Are you good? Are you valuable? Are you worth anything? That all comes to us from a world that we've grown up in. And then here comes God, and he says, none of that matters anymore. We say, why? Jesus comes out of being baptized, out of the water, and from heaven, the Father, so everybody can hear, says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. It's a quote from Isaiah chapter 42, the first servant song. The Father says, this is Him, and I am pleased with Him. Do you know that God says this, these exact two things about you? If you're in Christ, we're His son, sons and daughters. And how does God look upon us? Your sins and iniquities I remember no more. As far as the east is from the west, so I have cast them. This is you to me. And that... Right there, that's the cure to any addiction. Because that's where addiction comes from. People get these, this low self-image and they run to things that make them feel better. Or to people that give them worth. And those people are liars. Right? Young girls, they get, they get pregnant because some guy gave them value and he was a liar. And he wanted something else. And he lied to them. And they accepted it. Why? Because it was, you know, first person ever did it. <clears throat> but what if your value comes from heaven itself? 
then it doesn't matter what anybody thinks about you, right? Because you have value in the eyes of the one, the only one that counts. So with this, this is a new creation. And here I am in the world where people say that's, you know, you're, you're so virtuous. Maybe they don't say it to you, but they see it. You, you love like no one I've ever seen before. You have patience upon patience. You don't judge me. You accept me. Isn't that why people love the Lord? As these, you know, the Pharisees are like, why is he eating with sinners all the time? Why aren't you? Those people are beneath us. Hence, you have no impact on them. And so the reality of this, so it's, it's the doctrine and all of this truth fills my soul. And, and I, I'm like, seriously, you've done this for me? You want me to do this? You've done this for me? You've made me this? And, I believe, and by the way, the Holy Spirit within is the one who makes this very real to us. So don't despise the prophecies, meaning don't despise the doctrines that are coming. They're going to teach you more and more. And when you believe this, you're going to say, you know what, I have to do this. I have to. And then your mind will say, but what about all these barriers that are in front of me? And then God will tell you, I dwell you. I indwell you to do this. That's the whole reason I'm in you, is to do this. I'm not there because you have an awesome body to hang out inside of, by the way. Uh, No, it's I'm in you to accomplish my good pleasure. What do you think? Should we do it? Because he ain't going to force you. So look at Colossians 3.12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved. So, again, look at the board. This is my, what son? Beloved son. Thank you guys in the back. Well done. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Read again verse 12. As those who have been chosen of God, there's your identity. Holy and beloved. That's who we are. He and us together. Then he says, because this now, if you want to please God, here you go. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the Lord... Of, let the, sorry, the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your heart to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Our heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, 
our love, which binds us together, though we're all so very different. The Word of Christ richly dwells within us, and then our lifestyle is one of singing. Not that we're running around singing all the time, but it's, what is singing in your hearts to God with thankfulness means a joyful heart based on that which is true that comes from heaven. That's what it means. That is our life. And the Holy Spirit is within us to make it real. So what's stopping me from this? Well, nothing. Besides your choices. Besides my choice, your choice. And and basically that boils down to faith. It's a process. It's a journey. But it's a journey that could start, if it hasn't started, starts today. Starts right now. And as you, as you pursue, minutes become hours, become days, become weeks, become years. And as the time goes on, more and more and more of it becomes clear. The eyes of your heart clear. Just like when addicts get free, it clears and you start to really see. And, I, and in my opinion, your spiritual growth and your experience of all of this, like it, it's like a compound interest that goes... It's not linear. It's linear for a while, but then it starts to really accelerate upward. We were always made, the new humanity, to have God inside us. It was always the plan. <clears throat> I, I, I pro- one more passage, if you will. Ezekiel, if you would. It's the, the capstone I need here. So, Ezekiel 36... 25, this is the New Covenant. And that will wrap it up. Ezekiel 36, 25. This is the promise to Israel. Now, they're in captivity, by the way, when this happens. They're all in Babylon. Jerusalem has been destroyed. Things look pretty bleak. And that's the perfect setting for the pronouncement of this covenant. God doesn't need Jerusalem to do this. Ezekiel 36.25. That was in no way meant, if anybody listened to me thinking that I think Israel has no future, I know Israel has a future. So just saying. (laughs) Ezekiel 36.25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Right? Sounds permanent, doesn't it? It is, because the cross of Christ would cleanse us. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Now, flesh means here not sinful, but malleable, meaning teachable, moldable. And I will... Put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe all my ordinances. Obviously, at first glance, this looks like, well, the spirit's going to force me to walk in his ordinances. Well, then you're an uh, robot. Automaton? What is the word? (laughs) Automaton? That doesn't sound right for some reason. Uh, I think you're right, yeah. So I'll go with robot. That's like Porky Pig. He said, did he eat eat, eat, eat robot? (laughs) 
didn't grow up with Looney Tunes. I feel bad for you. Um, that's how I learned about life, right? <laughs> you want to be like bugs? Anyway, I'm running out of time here. Uh, the spirit. Notice that this has always been the plan. And these things are true about us. Now, when you read the next line in verse 28 and following, it speaks of the nation of Israel and material blessings. Those are not ours. You are not guaranteed material blessings in this life. So this is for Israel in the future. Absolutely. In the millennial reign of Christ, this will be fulfilled for the nation of Israel. But in the mystery age that is the church, this has begun. And it's begun in me and you. Without heaven, without a millennial reign, in a world that hates Christ, we've been made brand new and dwelt by the Spirit so that we can be this new creature to the world and be a light to the world and enjoy this life of heavenness. Overcoming all things. It's marvelous what he's done. So, Paul says, the whole engine, I won't light another match, I've lit enough. The whole engine that's making this run is in you. Don't put them out. You put them out, you can't do it. So we say, how the heck do I put them out? Tuesday. That's called a cliffhanger. I didn't even plan that. I know, that was part of our course. It was like, keep them coming back with the cliffhanger. There was a lot of salesmanship in it. There was, there was. I, I laid aside the, some of the salesmanship. But you know, I think it, it, might be, it might work. I, I could, truthfully, the, the quenching the spirit is, you know, going back to what I said before. Um, so if quench, quenching the spirit... That fa- yeah, there it is. You fail to allow the Spirit to do for you. So, yes, it is sin, but it's, you know, Paul didn't just say, don't sin. You know, he could have said that very easily. But he said, don't quench the Spirit, meaning that you're putting a fire out. I want you to understand that you're putting out a fire within you that God himself has kindled. And if you choose another path, He's not gonna. The engine's not gonna run in that way. So, in other words, I I choose a life of sinfulness. The Holy Spirit isn't gonna empower me in sinfulness. He's not. He's not gonna give me the supernatural power to be a sinner. I'm the best sinner ever. That's just stupid. Or a supernatural power to love myself. Or supernat. You know, I, I'm a like Superman of the sin world. You know what I mean? Like He's not going to empower me in that way. So I choose a way, and the Holy Spirit says, yeah, this is where I want to go too. This is what pleases me. And that is how the Spirit is going to fill you. Yep, we got to love the journey. All right, let's celebrate our Lord's Supper so we can get out of here at a decent time. I will pass out our elements. Thank you. And... Uh, Then we'll finish up.
Thank you, gentlemen. Um, I'm going to be reading out of uh, Luke's Gospel for uh, just to uh, set up our Lord's Supper for us to eat and drink today. Um, you know, I think nothing more needs to be said about the fact that what we have, this amazing life that God has given us, cost Christ His life. Um, to be judged for the sins of the world, there is no way that God can indwell us as a temple without us being perfectly clean. Perfectly. And Christ, therefore, had to pay, judicially pay the price for the sins of the whole world, which caused him to be separated from his father for of, of all that he had went through when the Romans beat him to within an inch of his life, nailed him to a cross, raised him up. He didn't scream, not once. But then when he was separated from his father and judged for the sins of the world, he screamed. It says he cried out. And you know what he said. And uh, that's what it cost. And we are so grateful. So very grateful. Eternal life is, as we've seen today, not just a duration of time. It's not just that we have life forever and that forever is going to be in an awesome place called heaven. But it is a manner of life that is the life that God possesses himself. And that's why we're called to live it now. And it's called, we're told, like, take hold of eternal life. That means not that you don't have it. It means that we're to live it. Uh, And eternal life is a way of life. And that's what Christ gives us here. So if you look at verse, I'm going to read uh, Luke 22, 19. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in remembrance of our Lord, let's eat the bread together. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant is ours. The cost was his blood, which is a term for the whole salvation work of our Lord. And so, which is not here in Luke's gospel, but as we know it, he said, take this cup and drink it in remembrance of me. And as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you uh, recall my death until I return. And so in honor of our Lord, let's drink the cup. Let's pray together. Our Father, as the harshness of that bread, the dryness of it, speaks and shows us the awful pain that our Lord endured for us and the sweetness of the grape, which is the sweetness of the blessing of it. It coats our throats and makes us see, Father, that though you have planned and done so much pain to your Son. Through Him, you have made us so rich in life. And 
What richness we have, Father, is by grace. May we never, ever think that it is anything to do with us or because of us. Let it drive pride from us completely. And let us just rejoice in this life. Take hold of Him and walk with Him, follow Him, knowing, Father, that it's by grace and to really enjoy the journey because You have made us into creatures, into people that are designed for it. We thank You, Father. In Christ's name, Amen. All right. So, last order of business is our offering. And then we're done. Thank you, everybody. Uh, let's pray for our offering. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to give and we give, Father, because we worship you, but we also give, Father, that you would uh, continue to uh, uphold this ministry and, and guide us, Father, in providing your word to others and continue to do so without cost and, and inviting whosoever may come. And we ask in Christ's name, amen. It's amazing how much you you guys have grown to love that song if you didn't already. <laughs> Everybody's like too tampered. Uh Let's close in prayer. We'll offer up our gospel to anyone who's listening. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be together and for all of us to enjoy your word. Your word is alive and powerful for sure. Um, as we close our service, we dedicate this time to anyone, any of you who are listening who have not come to believe in Christ as your Savior, it is the most important decision you could ever make by far. It is so important. So please consider who is the Lord Jesus Christ. You know you're a sinner. You know you need a Savior. And only in Christ is salvation of faith. It cannot be that you or I could earn eternal life with God through working. We cannot. Jesus Christ does not want your works. He wants your faith because He has done all the work. So, believe upon Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You will have eternal life. Christ died and He's resurrected again, seated at the right hand of God up in heaven, waiting for you. Believe in Him and you will have eternal life. We thank you, Father, for all things. May your blessing be upon us all. In Christ's name, amen.